hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of No Funkin' Strictly Munkin', the only podcast that won't let you bring on containers of Funkin' in uh, containers larger than three ounces. I'm your host, Jay Christie, joined as always by Andre Barra. Andre, how are you? Happy birthday to... I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, it's not my birthday, but it is someone's birthday, and whose birthday is that? That would be Mr. Leslie Monk. Wait, Adrian Monk. Uh, yes. He it's... seems like a Leslie to me. I don't know why. I don't see that necessarily, but I guess it's because Leslie, I know that obviously it is a, multi, uh, you know, both gender name, but I my instinct when I hear Leslie is always to think of a woman, so, um, he doesn't Leslie Nielsen? No, I, I, understand, I said that I know it's a both gender name, but when I hear Leslie, like, my instinct is to think. Who's, who's the most famous Leslie you know? Just indulge me. I mean, probably Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, um, <laughs> interesting. No, I'm, but but I'm just saying. Frazier? Leslie, Leslie Frazier? Frazier? Yeah, of course. No, I'm, not, I'm not saying that it's not both. I'm just saying that my gut when I hear Leslie is to think of a woman. You know, in the yeah. same way that. In the same way that. Sh- the most famous Shannon I know is probably Shannon Sharp, but Shannon's a girl's name in my mind. You know? It's like. Shannon Doherty, baby. Yeah, but Shannon, I think Shannon Sharp is probably, to me at least, more, yeah. is more relevant than Shannon Doherty. Um, okay, fine. Anyway. Softly. Uh, Go on. <laughs> so, um, well, first and foremost, what are you drinking? Uh, well, one, I have a hibiscus-flavored liqueur, which mm-hmm. is amongst the greatest flavors to me. Mm-hmm. But I also have a glass of Bullet Bourbon. Oh, I'm drinking Bullet Rye Whiskey. We're Bullet Boys. <laughs> yeah, we're both behind the bullet today. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I was going to get probably the... Because I, I, um, I went to see No Time to Die on Friday, and I'm like, you know what? I need to have, like, a cocktail tonight, you know? And I'm like, I have the stuff to make Old Fashions. And I was went to the liquor store, and I'm like, oh, they have Bullet Rye Whiskey. Because I like Bullet just because, I mean, the bottle looks cool. Um, that's the beginning and end of it. And uh, anyway, so... Um, How was it, by the way? Uh, I liked it a lot. Um, it definitely was slow in parts, and they, like, it wasn't as streamlined as other... Like, it wasn't uh, nonstop whatever, but I think that the action was really cool. And if you like the general take that Daniel Craig has on Bond, which I know a lot of people don't because it's, like, not fun necessarily... But, yeah. like, it really goes into, like, you know, kind of the cost of being um, that type of person. Um, you know what's yeah. crazy? I think I might be the only person on this planet that thought that Skyfall was fucking trash. Yeah, you're, do- you're definitely the only person on this call right now. Because I think Skyfall is, like, a near masterpiece. But oh, we're I not going to talk about that. stinks so fucking We're not bad. here to talk about that. Um, we're here to talk about Happy Birthday, Mr. Monk. An episode that starts off, like a lot of episodes of Monk do... With vacuuming. But this time, it's not monk vacuuming. Yeah, it's uh, a man named Robert Foster, is that? Brad Foster. Brad Brad Foster, yeah. He's, uh, you know, he's a janitor. He's cleaning up an office building. And, um, you know, while he's doing that, um, typical... We see, like, someone breaking in somewhere, like, with, lock, with, like, a lockpick, etc. Yeah, yeah, someone breaks in, and uh, they follow uh, Brad Foster down to the basement area, I guess, I would guess. Yeah. Um, and he's there to, like, you know... I mean, I don't know how many office buildings have trash compactors like that. Or I think like, a lot of them probably do if they're that big. Because I don't know how many of them are getting into, like... It dangerous so much... Yeah. Well, because even if they had dumpsters, like, they still need to break it up. Because I can't imagine that the trash in a big office building, it's not... You need, like... Without compacting it, you probably need, like, 12 dumpsters to fit it all. You know what I mean? Like, I think... Because, like, in my apartment build apartment buildings I've lived in with, like, 10 units have had dumpsters. And it feels like an office building would have, you know, like, if an office building would have, like, 300 units, I just don't feel like you feasibly can put that in a dumpster without compacting it. Yeah, well, uh, that may be. But, uh, but yeah, so he's he's uh, he's putting stuff through the trash. Well, I actually have a question. Have you ever used a trash compactor before? No. Okay, because the reason I bring it up, because the reason why I think that this doesn't isn't surprising to me is because, like, Two different apartment complexes my brothers lived in in college, each one of them in Gainesville, Florida, the apartment complexes, you had to put your trash in a trash compactor. So, like, I think that they're much more common than you would think. Um, and okay. uh, I'll tell you this, uh, having used it, even though it's not one that, like, this feels completely re- unrealistic where it's an open hole, like, they just fall into, because both those, the ones at, at both their places... It was basically like a thing you opened, you put trash in, and it wouldn't start compacting until you shut it. Like, that feels like a much more realistic and safe way <laughs> to have yeah. a trash compactor. Yeah, this seemed like it was built more to, like, torture people or, like, you know, execute people for whatever yeah. reason. But anyways, so, yeah, he's, he's dumping a bunch of stuff over uh, into it, and 
as that happens, uh, he gets a guest. And it seems to be the same man who uh, was breaking into the building previously. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for him, he doesn't have a load of trash to get rid of. Uh, he just has no. a person he needs to get rid of. Yeah, he's got a Brad to he's got Brad to get rid of. Um, yeah. And so as this is happening, by the he's way, got the a Brad, Brad reputation. is he, oh great stuff. He's trying to like clear something out of the trash compactor. He shuts off the circuit breaker, which obviously you'd want to do so the trash compactor can't turn on. But uh, this you know shadowed figure turns it back on and. Um, this guy gets probably, I would say, the most gruesome death in all of Monk. Um, actually, no, the guy with the the elf in, in the head is it's the water, one of the two. Yeah, yeah, the watermelon one. Yeah, that's probably still it, but this is definitely in the top three. Um, uh, yeah, it's um, that, and then there's the one where, like, the uh, mistress gets her, like, head chopped off with a chainsaw, and um, Mr. Monk gets fired, I don't know if you recall that. There's, there's not that many gruesome deaths in Monk, because it is a TV-14 show, but... Um, you know. Yeah, you know what though? I always, and I think honestly, like to date, my favorite murder, well, besides the watermelon one, because that one was really good, is actually the first one, which is like the most insane one with the the little ramp. Is it the first one? Wait, which? What do you mean with the little ramp? The little ramp that takes the car off the side of the hill. Oh no, that's the that's actually the second episode, but that's a great okay. one. <laughs> my yes, favorite. I, I miss those. My favorite. I don't know if it's not actually the murder, but my favorite in terms of the. Um, it's either Mr. Monk and the Astronaut with the yeah, the yeah. rig, or I love the clock tower in Mr. Monk goes yeah. high school. I think that that's just like, <laughs> but anyway, I do love the shot when the blood is splurting all over. It splats over the sign that says 300 days without an accident." That's just like that's you know you know that um you know the it, meme. I don't know if this is a meme that only is in like film Twitter where it's uh, Bong Joon Ho in like the Criterion closet and it just has the caption "To me, that is cinema." That's what I feel like with the blood splattering on the 300 days that an accident. Yeah. That's cinema. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, and then we cut to Natalie and Monk talking, and they're talking about gifts. And, you know, Natalie wants to know if Monk wants to get a watch, and he says, I already have a watch. What about two watches? And then he makes up a point, which is, if you have two watches, you never know which one to trust, you never know what time it is. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, when you're about to... <laughs> I just love how somehow... It became, like, a threading thing to tell somebody, like, you know what time it is. You're, like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. how you see it in movies and stuff. Of course. Um, but, yeah, why would you have two watches? Uh, that, I mean, that's the weird thing about having watches mm. these days is most of the time if you have, if you know someone that has a watch and you ask them what time it is, they'll get their cell phone instead, right? Like, no uh, one ever yeah. their watch. I uh, don't have a watch, one, because it just a watch would just look weird with the my general wardrobe of t-shirts and shorts and two because i try to minimize the amount of things on my person that i can lose um yeah because if something is on my person i am going to lose it it's just not a question of if it's a question of when so um anyway also my fair fact which i should have brought up in mr Monk and the critic did you know this i I told people this and half of them find it interesting and half of them don't and i think this is interesting because it feels like it the opposite you think is true that the pocket watch was invented after the wristwatch. Because you think about the pocket watch as like an old timey thing, but no, the wristwatch is invented like ten years before the pocket watch. That's crazy. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know that. Yeah. And anyway, so okay, I'm glad that you're on the you're in the one fifty percent. Anyway, so uh, it's what well, we learn. It's Monk's fiftieth birthday, and they go into the office, and everyone is uh, gone. You know, uh, and they're all hiding in the captain's office, and Natalie's trying to get Monk in there. Yeah, he's trying to get in there, and unfortunately. When you try to plan a surprise party for, quote-unquote, the world's greatest detective, you have to know. And particularly the world's best detective, who also hates any kind of fun, basically, mm-hmm. you're just in for a bad time. Yeah. And so, like, Monk immediately catches on, because first he notices that all the cups and the plates are gone, and then Natalie trips up by misstating what he... Because originally she said it was a triple homicide in Marin County, and then now it's a double homicide. Yeah. It's a whole big to-do. Um, and he gives a, you know, nice try, Tiger. It's a surprise party, isn't it? Right. Wait, well, did you mention, I'm sorry, did you mention which of his birthdays it is? Not just yes, I did. I did. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's a big deal. Um, but yeah, Monk says it out, and like, once he finds out that it's a party, like, he's a little playful with it mm-hmm. at first, but once he's like, it's confirmed, like, he wants nothing to do with it. He doesn't like parties, um, mm-hmm. and we'll find out Have why. you ever had a surprise party thrown for you? No. I have, but it was like, it was not something, it wasn't a huge party, it was just kind of a, 
it was a hangout with like when it was living with my two brothers it was like four or five of our friends who like we we didn't know we'd do anything uh, our brother got us tickets to uh, see John Wick Chapter Three, and then when we came back, all our friends were there. It was nice. Um, I've thrown surprise parties. Um, it's much more stressful than it needs to be. Um, the thing that with how that did, one, how does that how does that work? If you have a twin brother, like, do both of you get a surprise? Well, yeah, we were, we were living in the same place at the time, so it wasn't a problem. Yeah, so it was a party for both of you guys. Of course it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, we've had we've had basically the, the great thing about us is that save for like one or two of Michael's friends in high school, we've basically had the same friends our entire life. Um, and obviously when he went to college, but then when he went to college, most of his good college friends moved up to New York, so I became friends with them. So like. It was all the same people that... I mean, if it was a surprise party for just for me, it would have had more of my college friends there. It was mostly my brother's college friends, but I was friends with them too. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, throwing our birthday stuff was very easy for us because um, as kids... I think our parents would have had a bigger... It would have been a much bigger headache if, like, when we had a birthday party, if we would just invite over, like, six people that we were both friends with. Whereas I think it would be a nightmare if we didn't have an overlapping friends and our parents had to, like, try to be like, okay, you only can invite this many people. It's that, you know... Um, but, yeah. Anyway, right. um, uh, so he hates birthdays. Yeah, and he refused. He's not gonna play along with this whole thing, you know. And uh, so, um, you know, they uh, they call, basically call this one off, and then we cut to the crime scene, um, where uh, there's a body bag that is like the size of a tote bag. Right. It's uh, you know. The guy's been torn to pieces, so that's what they could recover, I guess. Mm-hmm. Whatever mm-hmm. wasn't liquefied or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. And um, and I like how, you know, it's a very serious crime, and this poor fucking guy mm-hmm. got killed, but they're just cracking wise about it. Like, mm-hmm. pretty bad look yeah. for the cops, but I guess what can Yeah, you- they're looking for a compact car. Um, he wanted to be wearing briefs, but now he's wearing boxers. You know, just some good stuff. Some good humor. Good gal- I mean... Um, gallows humor, yeah. Gallows humor, which that does a, a phrase I once read on the internet that I stuck with me a lot is that you can't. How did I gall- fucking know you were gonna go on this tangent? Oh, I think I said this before, right? I think I have. Never mind. I don't know. I, no, because if you've heard it before, then I've said it already. I'm not gonna repeat it. Um, no, no, no. I, I just knew the second that you said gallows humor that you. Well, were no, it's because like, the phrase I think about all the time is because basically because a lot of people will say that about if they make an offensive joke and it's like oh it was gallows humor it's like it's not gallows humor if you're not the one with your neck marked you know like, you can't say that so in this case they're kind of being inappropriate. Um, cause you can make, if you get, like, mangled by a trash compactor, you're allowed to make jokes about it, but if you didn't, you know, anyway. Um, so, Paul Wellman, who's, like, the building manager, found it at 8.30, he turned on the light, saw blood everywhere, thought it was an animal, but it must have just been Brad, he forgot to turn off the breaker. Right, uh, the curious thing being that, the curious thing here being that they note, or Monk notices that he had to be positive that he had to turn on the light to see this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because otherwise, who turned off the light? Mm-hmm. That's I think that that's that, I love details like that in crime shows. Like that's just such a great like you know. Yeah, it's, like a, a, it's a given, but like you don't think about it. Well, no, yeah, yeah exactly. The, the whole thing when they talk about um, I think Mr. Monk goes to Mexico when Stoudemire is recalling the time that like the first day he worked with Monk when it was like a suicide that everyone because the person swallowed pills or whatever. And Monk realized it was a murder because there was no water anywhere. Like, it's kind of like... You know what reminds me of? You ever see, like, the the test of, like... It's like a... 90% of kindergartners get this right, and, like, 10% of Harvard students can't. You ever see one of the... Where it's, like, a bus, and it's like, how do you know which way is the bus facing? And people are like, there's no way to tell. It could be either way. But kindergartners all know, oh, well, the door's on this side, because that's how they get into the bus. Like, things like that. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever seen that before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen it. I just never clicked yeah. it, probably. Well, yeah, but, like, that, I think, is... It's that type of thing where it's, like, you just take it all for a given. Like, yeah, you turned on the light. Yeah, that's what you have to do. You know, whatever. But anyway. Um, I'm in a tangent mood already. This is not going to bode well for this podcast. Um, so there's, minutes in. <laughs> yeah, there's only one other guy in the building, Richard Meckler, who left around midnight. Yeah, uh... He he works late a lot, and uh, he's he he happens to be a patent attorney, mm-hmm. and, like Albert uh, Einstein. Correct. Uh, yeah, he wasn't a patent attorney. He just worked at the patent office. But anyway. Okay. Yeah. No. But th- that's a joke made about it later on. That's there why is. I was like, Wait. What? Yeah. There okay. is. I re- I realized as I was saying it, it's like that's the second Einstein reference. We'll get there. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's a patent lawyer, and he just happened to be working on the. The greatest thing since sliced bread, uh, according to Monk, probably. Yes. Which happens to be the laser vac. Mm-hmm. Which this feels a lot like the Dyson thing of the vacuum that never loses suction. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Is that the what di- their claim to fame is? Well, that's what. Yeah. I mean, how did? 
the the entire commercial campaign was just the guy explaining what the vacuum did. How do you not know that that's a clip to I fame? don't listen to fucking commercials, man. <laughs> I just really don't. You need uh, yeah, to have a vacuum. jingle. You need to have a jingle or you need to have, uh, sorry, like a hot babe or something for me to like know. Oh, so you don't think that the dry British guy with white hair is a hot babe? No, I'm kidding. Um, but no, it's a vacuum that doesn't lose suction. That's lighting. It doesn't have a bag. I just think um, it looks cool as fuck. It does look cool as fuck, and it does work. Like, it's not... I mean, I think the original ones kind of sucked, but as they, like, got better... Um, <laughs> I get it. Uh, but it's, but it's like one of those things where um, a lot of vacuums now do that, where they don't have the... Obviously, most vacuums these days don't have, like, bags, and they kind of, you know, all do the same thing. Anyway, it's a self-cleaning vacuum, which is great. It's invented by a man named Kurt Pressman, who is played by your and I's favorite. You know, I know Ambassador Arthur Lee Allen. I believe you do, too. Um, one... John Carroll Lynch, one of the Correct. goats, one of the Correct. great character actors alive. I Correct. would, I we worship at the altar of him. At least I do. I don't know about you. I'm a huge fan. No, I love him. I think he's great. Um, I also think this is so fucking prescient with like the whole story about the Zodiac being found out. I'll say this. I'll say this. I don't. I'm not saying that that thing where they said that that I don't know if you actually read the story, but I did. They definitely did not confirm who the Zodiac was. Like. <laughs> Because I feel like every five years is a new thing where it's like this person was Zodiac and the clue is like the, like I guess what I would say is there was there was no evidence in that story that is more compelling than any other evidence you could have like it just was not I was not convinced I'm not saying it isn't that guy but like it was like we finally confirmed it. it's like did you match DNA no did you have any eyewitness accounts no well then what, what do you want me to do with that I mean. I'll say this, like, they hooked me. Like, I was like, all right. Fine. I, don't, I think they, they might be right. The thing is, the biggest thing with me is that they do have a DNA sample of the Zodiac letter, which is how they, quote-unquote, disprove that it was Arthur Lee Allen, because Arthur Lee Allen's DNA doesn't match the saliva sample on the letters. Okay. But, but like, if, I, I don't know, I guess because that's, like, it's not like it's impossible to confirm who it was, and obviously I don't think that this guy's daughter would, like, submit her DNA to do, do a familial DNA test, but, I don't know, I just am, like... I think that, uh, I did like the meme, though, where it was, like, where people, like, posting photos of the guy watching Zodiac and laughing as, like, they said it was someone else. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, I'll, I'll say this for, like, a quick second, um, because, like, Zodiac's my favorite movie. I think it's probably so, my third favorite movie, fourth favorite movie, maybe. So when I first, like, uh, saw the story, I was just like, oh, man, well, it kind of makes me all, like, whatever about Zodiac. I mean, it's still a fucking great movie. Yeah. Well, yeah, because the Zodiac is not really about Arthur Leon. It's not about solving. Now, of yeah. course, the movie, I think a lot of people, a thing I don't like, when people say, like, yeah, Zodiac, like, they don't even try to solve it. It's like, no, the movie is pretty confident that it's Arthur Leon. It doesn't say it. it doesn't, he doesn't get arrested at the end of it, but, like, the movie I mean, is convinced. Not, like, how do you not think that, that there's, like, definitive? The whole fucking last scene of the movie is Door to door. I've walked it. Yeah. No, it's amazing. I haven't seen that movie in years. I need to. Oh, man, I rewatched it a lot, man. It's so great. Anyway, so, uh, you know... Kurt is talking about the vacuum, and then uh, Disher's talking to uh, Meckler about what he was last night, um, and we notice that uh, he chews on his pens a lot, which is a gross habit. Um, I have I, it. I used to do sometimes. I mostly broke myself of it. I still do it. Uh, it's okay. Um, I chew my fingernails sometimes, so it's not really, you know, he's their own. Um and uh, so the time that Bradley was murdered, and he's you know sad about it, uh, he, he seems. And then Stahmeyer, he you know Disher's looking for a murderer. Stahmeyer's looking for some strange, is what I'll say. He's he's on the prowl. Yeah, he's he's looking for some trim, uh, for sure. I don't know if that's offensive. <laughs> it's not it's offensive. It's just gross. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably on the verge. Uh, no, yeah, it's not. Just... It's, it's just gross, is what it is. That's why I said I actually was thinking about using a euphemism for vagina but i'm like no let me just say sex instead <laughs> yeah he's looking for some action mm-hmm. um yeah he's laying on real thick uh you know he's, he's and you know to be completely fair virginia Matson is a very perfectly beautiful woman mm-hmm. uh particularly of a certain era man and she, i mean it's, it's, there's just a certain like age and type of actress where it's like an actress who is uh objectively beautiful but also age appropriate for the guy in his 50s you know what i mean Cause she's probably in her late 40s early 50s at this point you know, yeah. like, there's just a classic type of actress where it's like, yeah, you know, good for you getting, uh, you know, getting a, a good-looking approach. Because there's certain older characters and stuff that you can buy being with, like, someone in the 30s. Stamar needs to be with a grown woman. <laughs> he needs yeah, to. yeah, yeah. Especially after we've seen uh, the previous uh, selections he's had. Let's just... Yes, yes. He's his ex-wife and then the, his murderer girlfriend. Um, yes. Uh, anyway. 
she works for a thing called Consumer Currents, which is absolutely not Consumer Reports, and she does household appliances. Her name is TK, Tonky Kong. Um, anyway. Uh, Tony so, Kornheiser. So, yeah, she, it's Tony Kornheiser, um, <laughs> and uh, the T, she refuses to say what the T stands for. Um, and what if she changed it all the time, like how uh, Lil Wayne kept changing what the F and Weezy F baby stood for? Uh, I would respect the fuck out of that. I mean, it would just be hard to, like, I, at some point you would run out, just like how you're running out of, like, uh, opening No Funkin' kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I knew when I was, from, like, fourth to sixth grade, I was, we were family friends with people who had four kids who were all teen names, and, um, yeah, that just feels exhausting. Four uh, T's? Yeah, four T's. It was Tom, Tyler, Tori, and Tanner. Tanner. Whitest names ever. Yeah, which is ironic, of course, because the name is Tanner, but it is an incredibly white name. Right, right, that's true. Um, anyway, uh, then Monk is going up to, you know, Kurt, and he's like, where does the dust go? And I think that that's a fair question, um, but he doesn't answer him. He just mentions that he's there with the police, um, and he, but he wants, he, he doesn't care about the murder, he wants one of these vacuums, but unfortunately, there is a waiting list. Yeah, it's a waiting list, you know, this is like a, what would, what's like the, what's the modern version of this whole thing? Like a GoFundMe? <sighs> no, it's not a GoFundMe, because it's not, he, this is like a real invention. It's just, this is like a beta testing version of it, where like they're, because I think with any sort of product like this, they like release it to a select few people to like, you know, I think they, they, they do it with like everything. Um, you, we just wouldn't know about it, because we're not like part of Consumer Reports. Sorry, like, no, this is what I was thinking of, I was thinking about Kickstarter. I guess, but it's not really, because, like, this, this, he has, like, a real patent lawyer, and it's, like, this is, like, a real invention that's, like, clearly not being crowdfunded. Um, I think it, I think this is just, like, the, you know how, like, uh, any sort of industry will have industry events where it's just, like, showing to people who are in the industry? Like, that's what, they're in that stage. They're not in the giving to consumer stage yet. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And so, um, then, uh, Kurt goes over to Meckler and his wife and Disher with two sodas, it's like, is that diet? He takes a sip. Then he says, uh, do you try it. The wife takes a sip. And then they gave it to uh, Meckler, who, um, it's diet. Now, I'll say this. I was excited to talk about this episode, because this is the one, the only episode of Monk in which I knew how the murder was done the moment it happened. I... I knew it, too. Yeah. Because this was, like, this is, like, I remember I used to have a book of, like, riddles as a kid, and there was a riddle that was basically just this, which is, like, how did, it described the plot of two people took the same drink. Like, they got ordered the same drink, one uh, was had a rough day at work, so he had it all in one gulp, and the other one sipped it, and the one who sipped it died. It's like, oh, it's in the ice cubes. Um, anyway. Um, uh, yeah, the this only... Is, I mean, if the drink were alcoholic, this would be the only time it would pay off to be an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. But there is a great bit in No Time to Die about people ordering drinks and one person drinking it down too fast. I'll say this. That is... I was disappointed by it. But the best part of No Time to Die is Ana de Armas is in it for like 10, 15 minutes. She's... Really? They clearly, they That's just, it? They clearly shot it before she was an A-lister. Because think about it, This movie was supposed to come out like last March. So like... Right. And... But she... Just completely... It's grand larceny. She just steals every frame she's in. And I'm not just saying that because she's beautiful. It's just like, oh. Because she hasn't really been in that much. She's like, wait, why is she an A-lister again? It's like, oh, wait, because she has more charisma than almost anyone on the planet. Like, oh, yeah, I, I get it, yeah. Um, yeah, she's great. And she drinks down a drink very quickly, and it's very funny. To, um, think, to think that Eli Roth basically discovered her just makes me sick. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I just, you would have stopped at to think that Eli Roth, and I would have been made sick. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um... God, how much better would Inglorious Bastards have been if Adam Sandler played the Bear Jew like he was supposed to? Anyway. He was supposed to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> and well, I, you know I, what? You know what? Did I just Hot ruin take. your day? <laughs> no, 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 no. Hot take. Mm-hmm. I don't really give a shit about Adam Sandler. I like oh, his, I like, love him. I No, I like his old shit, but I thought Uncut... Okay, I saw Uncut Gems the first time. I was like, okay, this is pretty good. Second time I watched it, I'm like, this movie fucking stinks. I don't know how you could ever watch the movie a second time. I felt like I was going to have a heart attack by the end of the time I watched it the no, first No, no, well, because I watched it first with my wife, and then I watched it with one of my best friends who insisted that I watch it with her, so I did, and I regretted watching it the second time. Well, I loved it, it the first time I saw it, and I'm generally a fan. Of, I, I think Adam Sandler is uh, good at acting. Anyway, that, this is not what this podcast is about. I also haven't seen Punch Drunk Love. I need to see Punch Drunk Love, he's really good in. It's completely different, um, but it's a really great performance. Anyway, um... 
Monk is, he's busy admiring the vacuum, um, like, not wanting to touch it, you know. But as is happening, uh, Richard Meckler, he, uh, he collapses and has a heart attack, and, uh, he dies. Right, I'm sorry, did you mention the fact that Disher was in front of them the whole time yeah. interviewing him? Yeah, yes it is. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, curious, um, yeah, the guy has a heart attack, so at this point, there's no reason to believe any foul play is involved, but mm-hmm. we'll come to learn that that is the case. Yeah. And so, um... We then cut to Monk having the most romantic scene. Monk has had you know romantic entanglements in the show. This is the most romantic he's ever been with anyone in the show. You know what I mean? Him in the vacuum. Yeah, just we dancing. got and we got like a nice like I don't know if it's quite bossa nova, but like a different variation on the yeah. the old uh, tune, the old mm-hmm. theme song. And uh, yeah, he's he's you know he's not quite singing in the rain, but he's singing in his living room. It's uh, it's sensual. What's going on? As I'll say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I, I don't want to say it, but like he would definitely fuck that vacuum. If he oh, one hundred twenty-five percent. Yeah, I, I that, yeah. that's like need, can go unsaid. Anyway, um, Natalie comes by, and we learn that he got it because TK managed to get uh get it for him. Um, and uh, by the way, if he was gonna fuck the vacuum, it would be better if it was a dice it because they don't uh lose suction. Anyway, I was just gonna say nice suck job, but yeah, go yeah. on. Yeah, uh, yeah. I realized that we hadn't made a, that joke, and it's like, why not? Um, yeah. And so uh, he's just going over how there's no dust bag, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But they gotta go. There's apparently, you know, uh, there's another thing they need to go to. Um, but first, they need to stop at Natalie's place because she forgot her phone. Um, but Monk, he's smarter than that. So what does he do? He picks up his uh, his home phone, which. Is a whole other thing that we don't even do anymore, which mm-hmm. is interesting. And uh, he dials her cell phone number, and sure enough, it goes off. It's in her purse. Who mm-hmm. knew? Mm-hmm. And so Monk is like, you know, just not, he's like, I'm not going to go. Like, stop it. And Natalie's like, why do you not like party so much? And he's like, okay, I'll tell you. I haven't told Dr. Bell, but, and he shuts all the curtains, turns off the lights, and sit da- sits down. And he tells the tragic story of why he doesn't like parties. Um, yeah, it was his tenth birthday. Um, I did like that. It's the number ten, so mm-hmm. I felt like I felt like the number ten is a huge thing in this whole. Yeah, saga. it's like that. It's like Jim Carrey's number twenty-three. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I haven't seen so, it. I haven't either. Actually, you, uh, know who, you know who the female leader of that movie is? Virginia Madsen. Yeah, it is. That is true. <laughs> Wait, is it Joel Schumacher dead? He died recently, right? He died a couple years ago, yeah. Damn. Okay, anyway, so he was 10 years old, and mm-hmm. his family, uh, through his mom, sorry, threw him a birthday party. Bo- was it a surprise birthday party? Mm-mm. No, it was just a birthday party. Yeah. And um, the fact that she even got anybody to go to attend his party is, like, a shock to me, to be quite Well, honest. we learned why they all attended. Yeah, but, like, what, did she average? Did she put out, like, That's true, that's true, that's true, that's true, yeah. Yeah, okay, so anyways... So there was a cowboy also that he used to watch on TV, Cowboy Hank. Apparently he was on TV every week, and it was his hero. So his mother surprised him with a Cowboy Hank appearance, and he showed up, and he brought a rope with him, leading to some insidious thoughts yes. about where yeah, this could this possibly is, yeah, be going. I, this is not the first time, I think, in Monk specifically, because I know there was the bit in the Mr. Monk and the Naked Man where he's describing something, and this show kind of plays fast and loose with Monk having... Bad, old memories that are bad, and then letting characters think that he was molested is what. That's really what the. That's what's going on in this scene, right? Like I'm not. That's right. what the joke is. Yeah, because Natalie's like has a very somber expression on her face, and like it just like you're just expecting something really bad. And basically, the problem with this whole thing was that as soon as Cowboy Hank uh, hung up his boots and moseyed on down uh, to the, the saloon. Third, wasn't it like Dusty? Oh, he hit the Dusty Trail. Yeah, the, I was just. Thing? Yeah. 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 Um, once that happened, everybody left. They didn't even mm. stay for the cake. They weren't there for him. They were there for Cowboy Hank. Which, yeah. sure. Yeah. So, that, I can actually understand why that would make you not like your birthday. Like, a little, like, that That does suck. You know what I mean? But, it yeah. doesn't justify how much he doesn't like his birthday. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. Like, it would suck for, like, a few years, and then you would become a surly teenager, and then you yeah. don't want your birthdays because yeah. you don't want your parents doting over you, whatever. Exactly. Um, and so, Natalie is, does not consider that a good, she, she starts laughing, you know, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And Which says isn't that, a great look for her, either. No, it isn't. Because, the thing is, there's a, it, it's, it isn't that traumatic. 
but it also isn't a dumpster. That you that would be like, okay, yeah, because if you're someone, because I know people who are like, yeah, I just don't really like celebrating my birthday. If that's the way that Monk approached it, was like, yeah, I just don't like this, don't, is whatever. That, I could, that is a justification for that, right? Because you know, I've seen people who like aren't really, don't like to do stuff for their birthday, which I think is weird, because why not? Um, because your birthday yeah. is less about you, it's about the people in your life, and anyway. Um, but the fact that Monk is like so, talks about it like it's such, like, deep-seated trauma. It's like, that's why it's stupid. But Natalie says, you know what? And now, because of that, I'm going to throw you a cotillion. Um, yeah. uh, and, um, it's going to be a big surprise. And he's like, no, you're not, you can't surprise me. And Natalie takes it as a challenge, because she thinks that he's calling her stupid. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and, yeah, like, I understand also that the thing is, like, she has to realize that she's not dealing with, like, a normal person. She's dealing with Adrian Monk. So Correct. you have to, like, know that he's going to have strong feelings about something. And if he does, chances are you can't talk about it. So, yeah, anyways. So we go... So we cut to... Yeah, go. Yeah, we go to Stott and Disher. We meet them at... Uh, Brad. Uh, Brad Foster's apartment. Sure. Uh, I thought it was just his workshop in a fucking... Yeah. In the place. But it looks like a, like a trendy San Francisco loft. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know how you can afford that, but anyways. Yeah. Um, and also, this, can I say? Can I just say a take? And I think you probably agree with me. You're on the internet a lot. They're right, but there's nothing. I think we can. We should have a moratorium on conversations about how TV characters afford apartments. Like we get it. Every show has unrealistic apartments. It's just like the cheat. It, it feels like. It, it's like 2021's version of pointing out that The Lion King is basically Hamlet. It's like, yes, we all know the characters in France couldn't afford their apartments. Who cares? Shut up. We moved on. We all know. We agree. We get it. I think the most accurate depiction of an apartment recently mm-hmm. that I can think of is Jared Leto's apartment in The Littlest Things? The, the Little Things? things? Yeah. The Little Things, a movie which is two-thirds of a good movie. Um, yeah, I didn't think it was that bad. Honestly. No, it's not. Now, the problem is, I great take uh, from a podcast um, said that... Uh, we made the joke that, like, Rami Malek, one of his first big roles was playing a vampire in Twilight, and he's thought that every role he's played since he's supposed to be a vampire. <laughs> Which is, like, that, the problem with little things is that Rami Malek is supposed to be a normal, like, dad, and he's just not. <laughs> you know, um, I lo- I like Rami Malek, I do. I refuse to watch Bohemian Rhapsody. It's, it's an abomination. The, it's so bad. The, the way that they deal with... Well, like I'll say this, I think that it's not as offensive as this, but I watched both these movies back to back in the same night. I think in terms of a movie that is enjoyable to watch, I like Green Book significantly more than I like Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. Like, it's real, because at least Green Book is charming in what it's trying to do. Bohemian Rhapsody is just, like, garbage. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't both Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man, both by Dexter Fletcher? Dexter Fletcher came in with Bohemian After Rhapsody. After Brian Singer. But, yeah, but, like, I don't think... Actually, I haven't seen Rocket Man. I heard Rocket Man's better. Rocket um, Man's good. I like that. Good, but, like, the thing is, because Dexter Fletcher basically only could do, like, a week of shooting and then had to, like, just make the edit work. Like, so I really don't blame him for any of the things. That, like, the fact that Bohemian Rhapsody is a coherent movie that actually, like, ma- has a narrative is kind of a miracle, so I respect him for that. <laughs> like... Okay. You know, because it was a movie that when even when Brian Singer was working on it, he was, like, so drug-addled and, like, not into it that he was barely there and, like, not really doing anything. And so, like, the fact that they made a coherent movie out of it is impressive. But the, like, Freddie Mercury obviously very famous for his sexuality. The most they delve into his sexuality is there's one bit where he sees a guy go into a bathroom whom he makes eye contact with, and then he looks at the men's bathroom for a little bit, thinking about what he's going to go in, and then he doesn't. And then that's the last time they mention him might be... And then until the end where he meets, like, a guy who his boyfriend. Then at the end, like, he has, like, a platonic boyfriend, but that's mostly it. That's basically the, they, all they deal with is sexuality. Um, yeah. It's bad. Um, anyway, and Rami Malek did not deserve that Oscar, but, duh. Like, that, that's not me breaking new ground. He didn't fucking sing the songs. Um... Yeah. So, uh, there's no computer there, and there's some tools missing, which is notable. But Monk doesn't want to come in because he thinks this is a surprise birthday party. Yeah, and he's being like, you know, obviously as we can expect, he's very inappropriate about stuff. He like doesn't want to like. He first doesn't want to go in. Mm-hmm. Secondly, he doesn't want to like, open a closet, and he's like making everything about his birthday, which for someone who doesn't give a shit about his birthday is a little odd. I think um, that he. I think because he so doesn't understand regular people he doesn't understand that when natalie says she might throw his birthday anywhere she doesn't literally mean anywhere right um so yeah like you said uh the computer's gone there's some tools missing and that's when we get into bradley foster's uh backstory Mm -hmm. which he graduated from mit 
and he worked for General Electric for 10 years, and he had disappeared at some point, reappeared again, and, you know, was bouncing around and ended up, you know, pushing a broom. So Allegedly, he had a big drinking problem, which is what, you know, did him in. Yeah, yeah, um, and, you know, we're, that we're already, like, starting to figure out exactly what this is about, mm-hmm. right? Like, you already knew before, but you certainly know now that Kurt Pressman, sorry, mm-hmm. didn't invent the laser no. vac no um and so they see then on the floor a pen with the tip chewed off similar to richard meckler so he was there so that's interesting then we yeah. cut to the morgue where monk thinks that they're gonna throw the birthday party in the morgue which wow that would be very inappropriate um and it would somehow only constitute the second worst birthday party of his life that yeah that is a good joke um honestly the one of the most surefire good jokes in monk is whenever they just do a joke which is like him just alluding to a bad thing in his childhood (laughs) you know what i mean like uh it's always funny you really can never go wrong with just making monk's childhood really sad and depressing um Mm -hmm. but uh so they he's like looking at like bodies and just seeing you know if there's anything going on, but we learned that upon an extra autopsy, Richard Meckler was poisoned with eight cc's of of sodium fluoracetate, um, which I made sure to write down because Randy didn't. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, I don't know what that is exactly, but it sounds dangerous. It's extremely toxic and fast-acting. Um, it's tough-acting. Do you remember the... They don't advertise it anymore. I just realized you don't watch commercials. But do you remember the John athletes? Madden? No, the athletes. Yeah, boom, tough acting, ten acting. Yes, yes, of course, yeah. I do. Uh, At some point, I did pay attention to commercials. Now um, I hate them. That, uh, by the way, it works fine. It doesn't. It, that's not how I hear my athletes feel when I had it as a kid. But that's not here or there. By the way, I don't ever watch Super Bowl commercials. I usually don't because I have the smallest bladder on the face of the earth, and so I have to go to the bathroom basically every single commercial break by the second quarter. So. I can't. Mm, okay. um, it really uh, makes, yeah. I just I, I don't know how people watch the broken commercials and watch the game when you go to the bathroom. Um, anyway, uh, I never go to the bathroom. Wow, that's interesting. You're uh, you're that, that's your superpower. It doesn't really come in handy, but 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 I do fall victim to like when I do break the seal, I do like piss all the time. But like the first time it takes. Of course, a while. well that's that's just biology, but um, is it? Yeah, that is because basically what happens is that um, I really don't. I remember I read something recently about this. How like you kind of reach a holding pattern in your kidneys when you get they get full, and then when you empty it, all of the urine that wasn't in your like processed by your kidneys yet, then rushes in and basically fills it up again. Um, ah, you know, I see. Yeah. So anyway, um, so they uh, they say like okay, this is obviously a coincidence. Two murders. Then Monk is like, I don't believe in coincidences either opens up a freezer, expecting somehow a party to be in the freezer. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's not in there. Yeah, so, basically, yeah, Monk's being a freak, and everything at this point, to me, is hinting at Kurt Pressman being the... Yes, because they mentioned that the poison is fast-acting, and you die within ten seconds of ingesting it, which that doesn't sound like a real thing that a poison could do, but whatever. Because um, I feel like if there was a poison... That would kill you in ten seconds of drinking it, and would look like a heart attack unless you did an advanced tox screening. People a lot would be more dying. people would be dead. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, then we cut to uh, Stahlmeier bringing TK back in, using his police authority. He's abusing his power as uh, a police officer. Um, you know, all cops are bastards, but in this case, like bastard in a playful way, like all oh, you bastard, you know, type of thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, he's down bad for this girl, you know, he's, she's like, wait, why do you need me here? And, he, you know, they started like, in, he, yeah, they started basically flirting on and about, but he also says that he does need someone to help reenact the crime mm-hmm. scene. Exactly. Um, why it couldn't have been Officer Who the Fuck Knows? Uh, because he's knows? not trying to fuck Officer Who the Fuck Knows. <laughs> uh, maybe. Uh, yeah, you actually don't know, you don't know. I saw um, Science of the Lambs. I, oh, Jesus Christ, you're right. Um... Uh, it's funny that that's the subtext of every scene in that movie, and they never really talk about that much. Anyway, that's why that's a great movie. Because, uh, you know, other movies would be like, you know, you're the only woman here, so everyone wants to have sex with you. Um, right. I, I've also watched so many bad, like, late 90s, early 2000s, like, mostly starring Ashley Judd movies that they just say that. So, um, you know, uh, yeah. shout out to Ashley Judd. So, uh, they reenact it, 
and um, like you know, Stoudemire's Richard, Natalie's his wife, uh, Disher is him, which of course Disher doesn't want to be Disher. He wants to be Rick- Richard because he has more to do, which is a good joke. Um, yeah. Monk is Presbyn. He comes in, takes a sit. They basically reenact it. I don't need to describe what happens. We described it the first time. Yeah, and so that's when they realize that it's weird because both Kurt Pressman and the wife both took a sip to figure out if it was a diet or not, as we saw happen, mm-hmm. and and Meckler took the drink after them, and then he died. So wouldn't mm-hmm. the other two have been poisoned as well? Exactly. And so it's like, okay, wait, what, was he eating something? No. Oh, maybe it was his pen. They checked the pen. Then maybe someone injected him. No, Disher would have noticed. But the Disher, he's got his Disher theory of the episode. Yeah, maybe someone had a poison dart. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but, but wait, the wouldn't is, they have seen the dart in his neck when he collapsed? Right, unless they shot the poison dart with like a long, uh, invisible string that you could retract it after the fact. You know, mm-hmm. maybe like a dartarang. Does that sound like something that could work? Is that what they're called? I suppose they're probably called dartarangs. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, that's like a very Batman kind of deal, but yes. respect. Um, and so then we cut to Monk. He's doing surgery. Not on a grape. He's doing surgery. <laughs> yeah. He surgery on a grape. Um, yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, that he vacuumed his problem, and the problem is he cleaned the filter. And where does it say, do not clean the filter? It says it, like, at least, like, six times in the manual. It says it on the actual vacuum cleaner, like, in, like, big letters. So, you know, he just, he couldn't help himself. He didn't believe that this would actually exist without a filter, and... He, uh, yeah, he cleaned the filter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so he's really sad. He wraps the vacuum in a blanket. Um, he tells God to take him instead. Mm-hmm. Um, but they realize, oh, wait, they can just go to Kurt. Kurt can fix it. He invented it. And where does Kurt live? Kurt lives on fucking Vinton Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, so they're going to go, yeah. but Monk, but Natalie's like, what? You have Dr. Bell. Yeah, you got Dr. Bell, but uh, Dr. Bell, like, what? Uh, what was it? Like, was he just... He's like, oh, he, no, I'll cancel. Yeah, um, he's more preoccupied with the vacuum cleaner at this point, and obviously Natalie's trying to get them to go to Dr. Bell's office because Well, though, got... I would say that this is, at least what I read, this is clearly a lie. She's doing this as a misdirect. Because she already well, yeah. has the other party set up. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. So she wants him to go, like, she wants him to go, and, you know, Monk figures it out he's just like all right because you're trying to throw like a surprise party and she gives it up real fucking fast basically that not exactly at dr bell's office but at the office next door that they rented out and she points out again that everybody loves him and they're waiting for him Mm -hmm. so like i feel bad for all these people that had to go to multiple iterations of this event yes and then uh he says you know that he wants to be alone and she says you're gonna spend your birthday alone and every other birthday after that until you die alone sad pathetic miserable and alone which is harsh, harsh, but yeah, fair. very harsh. Um, and so they go to meet with Kurt, um, and he's like, you know, I already spoke to the cops, but they're not there because that. They're there because the vacuum. Um, and so he's like, I don't know. I don't know if I could. I mean, Richard was one of my oldest friends. I, I just am so, you know, despondent. Yeah, he had known him since high school. Um, yeah, he's very, he seems to be sad about it, and he doesn't like. So yeah, Monk is, ba- well, so Kurt offers to fix it, and, uh, you know, Monk wants it to happen, like, ASAP, mm-hmm. and he mentions that he wants, like, when could he have it done by, maybe, like, by Friday, because he says he'll need a couple of days. Well, there, impor- there are a couple important visual things that happen in the scene. One, when he puts on the belt, he has to resize yes, it. Yes, yes. And then yes. he can't find the right tools. So it's all, it's, you know, he's, obviously, with, if you just watch it the first time, you wouldn't notice it, but it is clear that he doesn't know what he's doing. Oh, absolutely. No, 100%. I, I already suspected that the second oh. he started adjusting his belt. Um, and what does he say about invention, though? Because he worked on it for five years. He says that invention, like much like Thomas Edison, or actually, like Thomas Edison said, it's 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. And then Monk says... That, uh, that that's probably bullshit, that like... Maybe no, he, that he said that just to cover up his B.O., which, yeah, that's what I was I'll be say. honest with you, that is funny. That is, that's actually a funny thing. That's a funny it joke. Funny. And, and, and to be this would have happened in. And I feel like that is something that if Monk didn't say it, tell me that if you would have woken up one day and you're like you're checking your phone and you see Jay Christie tweeted at like two oh three Eastern time when Thomas Edison said it was ninety nine percent perspiration, he probably just had a lot of BO. That's definitely you could imagine that. That feels like something I could tweet to zero favorites late at night. 
You know? Yeah, I was gonna say I would have acknowledged it. I mean, I would have, I would have probably seen it and not said anything about it. I know because it's not that good. It's like it's a fun joke, but it's like dumb. Um, so uh, yeah, so there we want it done ASAP, and uh, he can't get it done by Friday though, because that's when Richard's funeral is. Right, and Monk's like, "Well, what time is the funeral at? Maybe you can work on it after you get back." You know, we need. I need this ASAP, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, Natalie takes him out of there. Yeah. And so, um, Natalie's trying to, like, bargain with him, like, okay, how about this? What if it isn't a party? What if it's just me, you, and Julie, and a cake? Or a cupcake? Or a picture of a cake? Like, he's just trying to bargain. Um, but there's a problem. Yeah, they're getting followed by an Escalade, and they're pretty close, I think, and they get a phone call from Cap, from the Cap, mm-hmm. and he tells them that, apparently, they have word, how they got word, who knows, uh... But they I mean, I work. feel like the cops probably would get... Someone would probably tell the cops if a big contract came out on someone's head. Sure, they would have to have good snitches. But yeah, um, yeah, basically that someone had put a, co- a $20,000 contract on their head. It's yeah. unclear on whether that's just Monk or Natalie. Mm-hmm. And so they get on a little car chase and, uh, you know, Monk's giving her directions where to go. And she... Uh, Natalie's driving, obviously, mm-hmm. and she... She uh, purposely ignores directions that tell her wrong way, heading into some sort of, like, mm-hmm. quarry or something, or uh, some recycling type of industrial, you know. Yes, yeah. yeah, and so she drives straight in there, they get out of the car, and they, like, you know, they run towards the, oh, no, I'm sorry, and so some security guard confronts them, and it's like, hey, what's going on, and now he's just like, hey, like, this guy is, like, these people are chasing us, like, help us, help us, help us, and they run back there, and... The guy, the, whoever is chasing them gets out of the car. They fucking pump a bunch of lead into the security guard. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a question. And At this moment, did you think this was real? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. so did I. Okay, when I first watched yeah, yeah. it, I did too. I just want to make sure that, that it, yeah. And so then. Yeah, no, this, I was like, holy shit. Yeah, so they have to run and they have to hide somewhere and it's either a dumpster or a porta john. And Monk, of course, would rather die. Um, right. But they get into I the got, dumpster. I got sucked off in a dumpster once. You got sucked off in a dumpster once? Okay. Yeah. I feel like that's the thing, type of thing you're just saying just because your wife is nearby and you want to hear her say that. You say that? Nah, I, I, have you never seen me tweet that? I think you have, yeah. I feel like you're right. That and it's getting sucking on a chili dog are like things you say a lot. Yeah, it's a bit. Anyways. Uh, so yeah, so they, they run towards the back and like you said, they get they have a choice between the porta potty I've never called it a porta john ever in my life. Yeah, no. Um, no, neither have I. Yeah, porta potty or a dumpster and Monk reluctantly accepts the dumpster so they mm-hmm. both jump in there. And, uh, and as soon as they're in there, you know, it wasn't a good hiding place. And so the dumpster starts rolling. Mm-hmm. You hear two voices outside, or one voice outside. Yeah, like, hey, let's dump them in the river. Yeah, and so it looks like the jig is up. And instead, they tell him to get out of the dumpster. And Natalie gets up first. And it Any looks last like words? Yeah, and it doesn't look good. Um, but it ends up just being... An elaborate. Well, no, you're missing that. There's not describing the cinematic thing. It's any last words, and then you get a great POV shot from Monk's perspective, where Natalie turns to camera and says, "Happy birthday, Mr. Monk." I think that's done very elegantly. Oh, sure. I like okay, that. Okay, sure. Yeah. That I... to me, that's cinema. Sorry. <laughs> um. And so yeah, it's uh, it was all an elaborate ruse, um, and uh, you know, there just there's some schmoozing about how, uh. You know, they're impressed with Natalie for getting Monk into the car to begin with. I mean, into the dumpster to begin with. Um, and, yeah, it's just great stuff. And a person who was invited to that was, of course, Kurt, because it's his hero. You know what I mean? Like, if you can invite someone's hero to their birthday party, you got to do it. Yeah, of course. Um, and, yeah, there's a lot more people than you would think. I guess a lot of, he's got – he's left his impression on a lot of and people. And also a lot, a lot of cops, probably, you know. Yeah, yeah. I guess they'll take any – any ch- any chance they get to have a couple hours off of work. Yeah, and some some drinks, you know, they don't have to pay for it. I mean, you know, I'm definitely someone who, like, I will just almost always, unless it's, like, going to be super awkward, I know literally no one, I'm almost always a yes to a party. Like, I, you know, I just... Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I just love schmoozing. I love, and I personally love meeting new people. I, you know, so this is just the thing. If you got a party going on, hey, if, uh, give me a call, man. I'm, I'm available. I'm horrible yeah. at making plans, so I, I do almost nothing all the time. That's not because I don't want to do stuff. It's just because I don't have forethought. Anyway, what are you going to say? Well, more than anything, um, what I like the most is that Scott, uh, Scott, Stott gives Monk a nice little fucking fist bump. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're all like, 
they all going through it and like obviously they they see the security guard he's alive and well everything is totally fine and uh and yeah like you said kurt's there and they're kind of talking for a little bit and they pull monk aside but before monk leaves Mm -hmm. he makes sure to cover his glass Mm because he already has a feeling kurt's up to no good Mm -hmm. and kurt grabs glass um and he scoops out the ice he goes outside scoops out the ice cubes and puts in ice cubes that he was carrying on himself um and let me cut to yeah go it seems like a very mr freeze kind of crime yes um ice to meet you etc yes um you know arnold schwarzenegger paid 25 million dollars for that movie and he was only on set for 12 days what killed the dinosaurs the ice age just love that joke because it's just not accurate um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. that's just like, also in like second grade, you learn what killed the dinosaurs. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Uh, but yeah, great stuff. I love that. I, I, I love thinking about how if you work for Mr. Freeze, like, if you were like, a, imagine just being like a regular goon, a guy who's like in and out of prison who you need to get work, and your job is like, okay, I'll do security for this Dr. Victor Freeze. And it's like, okay, yeah, you need to carry guns, but you also need to be proficient in roller skating and need to paint yourself in metallic blue paint and wear a hockey uniform. Um, is that okay? <laughs> Yeah, and you need to be like probably not, uh, not, not. You need to be able to handle cold weather pretty, pretty well. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, Monk goes to drink the water, but then stops because hey, make a wish. Um, and then he notices someone loosening their belt because they're about to eat some cake, which that's a pro move. Um, yeah. To loosen your belt. Before, that's how you know. That's that's how you know you're a pro eater. You know what I mean? Um, For sure. Uh, and then they, he's like, oh, wait, you loosened your tool belt. And then this is where we get the here's what happened. Yeah, basically, like I said earlier, uh, Bradley Foster was the inventor of the vacuum. Mm-hmm. And he worked in the same building, I mean, uh, fortuitously and unfortuitously for him. And he brought the idea to Richard Meckler, mm-hmm. who, as we know, is a patent lawyer. Mm-hmm. And Richard recognized that this technology would be amazing, it would be worth a lot of money. And he's also a piece of shit scumbag who deserved mm-hmm. to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he decided to take it to his pal Kurt and have and pass him off as the inventor of the thing. So they had to get rid of Bradley. So that's when Richard was the original murderer of Bradley Foster, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so apparently what happened was uh, Meckler was greedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also Kurt was just as greedy, and so Kurt decided he needed to kill Richard to cover mm-hmm. the bases, and that's when he made his sodium fluoracetate, whatever the fuck. Uh, fluoracetate. Fluoracetate. He made those ice cubes, and he made sure that both of them drank it mm-hmm. before the ice melted mm-hmm. so that they wouldn't get poisoned and it would just be, you know, Richard died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great stuff. And Monk knows he looks at his ice cubes, and they're square-shaped, you know, the other ice cubes are round. Um, yeah. And, yeah, that's how they, and, uh, it's like, cuff him. And here, we well, you don't need handcuffs. And he gets lassoed by who else but Cowboy Hank. Yeah, Cowboy Hank uh, fared a lot better than the Marlboro Man. I assume he stuck to camels. Mm-hmm. Um, good for him. Yeah, he's there, and, you know, he puts out another performance, reminiscent of the childhood. But the difference this time is nobody leaves after he's done. Can I just say something I realized that? In, if Cowboy Hank was real, Cowboy Hank absolutely would be on a cameo. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, you like know, on ca- the show? No, cameo. You know the app, cameo. Those? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I mean, yeah. What? I got it. I got a cameo sent to me. What? Who? Who was it? Uh, it probably won't matter to you, but it's Sorry. like Sammy from The Circle, season one. Oh no, but I, I this won't matter to you. I bought one once where there's a long-standing bit, and I'm gonna say this publicly because anyone who does this, who knows my brother, please do it. Where it's a bit where. There's, I don't know if it's in, it's definitely not in California, but there's a chain in like the southeastern United States called PDQ, um, which is like a chicken chain, um, mm-hmm. and it stands for People Dedicated to Quality, and I remember that it's, it was in like Gainesville, that was the first time I saw it, it was with my twin brother, Michael, and he explained to me what it stood for, and on two occasions, just, I could, I'd forgot, I was talking to someone else, and I had forgotten what it stood for, so I texted him on more than one occasion, what does PDQ stand for? And the second time, he's like, Jake, I told you this already, like, two weeks ago, like, two months ago, because I just forgotten. And then uh-huh. so I decided to, to make a bit 
that I've tried to get as many obscure, as most obscure people I can in his life to text him what does PDQ stand for. I think I've probably gotten like 15 people, multiple of which I've never met before, just like people he went to college with or people like he, you know, knew at work or something like that. And then just to one-up it, he's a huge fan of the show Bar Rescue, so I got one of the experts to be like, hey, Michael, uh, this is Mia from Bar Rescue, just sitting in line at CVS, and I was just wondering, I just popped in my head, uh, what does PDQ stand for? Uh, and it was worth $20. He said, it was the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me, he said, Jake, this is a new level of fuckery. <laughs> Which is, yeah. So I honestly want to find him on LinkedIn and add him and just be like, what does PDQ stand for? He wouldn't recognize you, so it wouldn't be as funny. Um, because, you know, he's listened to this podcast, so he would definitely be like, he would know what was coming. Um, but the great thing, too, is it's almost like, you know how, and this is a comparison I'm going to make to myself, which is not flattering. But you know how, like, there's a lot of times there's terrorist attacks that, like, aren't associated with one terrorist group, but, like, they're people who are inspired by them independently, right? On more than one occasion, I've gotten texts from friends who'd be like, hey, I just asked Michael what PDQ stands for, without me even asking. <laughs> just because, you know, it's like I just started the ideology. you got to ask Michael what PDU stands for. Um, so if you happen to have my brother Michael Christie's phone number, feel free to text him what does PDU stand for. Um, he's going to hate me more. He won't blame he's, you. He's not a real estate, real, real estate agent, right? He's not a real estate agent, no. Um, his job, I won't give his job title because it's uh, very specific. Um, okay. Uh, but uh, no, he is not a real estate agent. He's, uh, yeah, he's the same age as me. He doesn't look that much like me. Um, and uh, yeah. Is he a doctor? He's not a doctor, no. Um, yeah, there's a lot of Michael Christie's out there. Yeah, Christie's not that uncommon a name, and Michael was the most common first name for men in America for, like, 50 consecutive years. So, mm, um, okay. yeah, there's also once a pro golfer named Michael Christie who killed himself in the early 2000s. Oh, you know. good lord. What? Uh-huh. I've looked up, you know, there are not really any famous J. Christie's, but I remember there was Michael Christie. If you look up on Wikipedia, that's what comes up. Um, okay. So, then we have a nice bit where Stoudemire's with TK, and... You know, he's just like, how about Saturday night and Sunday night? Oh, you know, he's basically being super thirsty. Um, but, you know, I respect it because he doesn't say it so much, but the subtext of it is like, I'm like 55 years old. Like, I'm not, I don't have time for game. You know Games. what I mean? Like, and I respect that. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you know, it's coming out a little strong considering they haven't even gone on their first date yet and you're already like taking two nights out of the week. Um, but yeah, you know, respect. Like I said, beautiful looking woman. Um, they seem to have some sort of chemistry. I think, I'm guessing this is where it ends with him. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So, yeah, good, 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 good on them. Good on them. Yeah, Just and don't then this go, is... Whatever you do, TK, do not go in the basement. That's all I gotta say. Yes. Wait, what is that? But also... What are we, what are we uh, referencing? Isn't that where he keep, he keeps the president? Oh, in the Sun's Limbs. Sorry, I thought you were doing a Virginia Madsen reference. Um, oh, no, no, no. Yeah. But also, famously... Nobody in San Fran- nobody in California has basements. That's correct. So, two very different movies. Uh, yes. But yeah. uh, shouts to uh, that guy in Zodiac. What did I see him in recently? I was watching something and I saw him. Um, you know what I think it was? I recently watched the first three Nightmare on Elm Street movies, and I think he's in one of them. The guy with the videotapes in Zodiac. Um, yeah, yeah. And I don't with think he was... Poster, with a movie poster. Yeah, and I actually don't think he was playing a scary person. It was kind of weird. It's like, this guy's giving me creepy vibes. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, so we learn what the T and TK stands for, and it does not stand for Tonky, as in Tonky Kong, like I had implied earlier. Or, uh... Tony Kornheiser. Yeah, correct. Uh, her name is Trudy, which starts, like, that's no good, that's not gonna work, let's just stick with the TK mm-hmm. for now. And then this one, Natalie points out what you pointed out, that Cowboy Hank left, and everyone stayed, and, um, you know, this is the best birthday he ever had, but don't do it again. Now, what do you give this out of ten? I gave it an 8 out of 10. I gave it an 8 as well. I think the murder's predictability is the only thing that makes it not an 8.5. But I think that in terms of episodes that mostly don't focus on the murder, this is one of the better ones at actually making the personal plot of it interesting um, and not, like, you know, uh, just a complete drag. Um, but, yeah, I'm really, yeah. you know, I like uh, I like the whole gambit. Um, and, um, you know, it just good, good stuff uh, in the episode. But... More important than that, thank you for listening. Uh, you can follow the show at Strictly Monk and we'll be able to follow you, Andre. At Andre Barrera. And you can follow me at Jake Christie. Please rate, review, subscribe. Share the show with the biggest Monk fan in your life. And more important than that, tune in later this week as we talk about Mr. Monk and Sharona. 
Dun, 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 dun. Let's get monkey. Dun, 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 dun. Let's get, get monkey. monkey. Dun, yeah. dun, 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 dun. Let's get monkey. Get monkey.